Since the bonus two-man game inside. Domas, dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal! They can tie it with a three! Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert! Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. And today, joining you live from Golden One Center, right after the Sacramento Kings beat the defending champion Golden State Warriors in their first game of the playoff series against these two Northern California teams. Sacramento came out on top 126 to 123 behind big games from a lot of players, to be honest. De'Aaron Fox obviously was phenomenal with 38 points, 29 of those coming in the second half. Malik Monk had 32 points. That's playoff debuts for both of these guys, two guys that have never been in the postseason. A huge storyline coming into this was how much does postseason experience play a factor in this? Two guys that have never played a minute in the postseason balled out, 230 balls. I think that Davion Mitchell is phenomenal tonight. You know, he played 22 minutes. Um, he played more alongside De'Aaron Fox than I feel like what we see typically. Um, and the stats aren't, don't, don't pop off the page or anything. Three points, four assists. There's a block and a steal in there as well on one of three from the field. He was the first one to hit a three for Sacramento when I believe they were O of, O of, seven and then he comes in and is able to hit one the only one he hit all day one of two attempts um but that was a big three that he hit his defense on Steph Curry of course was was just big time in this one same with Jordan Poole I I thought that he had some just a lot of defensive impact as you expect from Davion and I think he did a great job hitting the point hitting the paint and making plays for others on the offensive end as well I thought he was phenomenal Harrison Barnes you know, the three-point shot wasn't going down, but I think he did a good job rebounding in this one. Seven rebounds is big. 13 points as well on 5'11 from the field. Still an extremely efficient night for him. And there was a moment De'Aaron Fox talked about it post-game that Harrison Barnes said, you know, like, let me take Steph for a little while in this box and one that we're doing. And so you can get a little bit of a break here um, because De'Aaron was doing a lot on both ends of the floor. So I know I just kind of rambled through. Also, big game from Alex Len and Trey Lyles. I never thought that Alex Len would possibly be playing in this series. It seemed like a crazy idea to me. What do I know? Trey Lyles, phenomenal. 16 points on 6 of 8 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. Huge game from Trey Lyles as well. And I mentioned rebounding for HB. You could say the same thing for Trey. 6 rebounds for Trey. Um, I know I just kind of rambled off going through the box scores, but going to plan on breaking down some of the things that I thought worked well. Would stood out from Golden State side as well, where the Splash Brothers were, were getting it done, and they had some good contributions from the bench as well. Get a little bit of my opinions on how I thought Andrew Wiggins looked. And also have post-game audio that we're going to include in here from all of Harrison Barnes, Coach Brown, Malik Monk, and De'Aaron Fox. And I did also get a sit in on Andrew Wiggins and Steph Curry's defense or um, post game pressers, excuse me, and ask them a couple things. So we'll include some of what they had said, although I do not have the audio for that. I'll just be kind of me saying those quotes out loud. Um, What I want to start with, though, is this crowd, man. This was ridiculous, a ridiculous crowd in Golden One Center. And everybody knew it would be that, right? All 18,253 people that were in this building. It was packed 20 minutes before um, 20 minutes before tip-off. The entire stadium, it seems like every single person is in their seat. They're on their feet. They're trying to, like, they're just electric that far before tip-off. And then it continued throughout the entire game. And I think the big standout thing, and we could tell pretty quickly here, kind of in warm-ups, like, or even just being in Doko prior to this, which had its own energy altogether. I mean, like I've been in this building since one one thirty in this building, Doko sort of area, kind of all one in the same. And it, it, there's just been an electric energy the entire time. But you didn't see many Golden State Warrior fans leading up to it in Doko. It was like, oh, there's not that many. And the one up every couple you see are getting booed by a surrounding crowd um, or 
during warmups, like that last game, game 81, I believe it is, the final regular season home game. Obviously, a lot of Sacramento players sat out, which I think had an impact in that. But it was a lot of Warriors fans, and you could see it right away watching Steph and Clay warm up. That wasn't there today. It wasn't there today. De'Aaron even said post game that he honestly expected there to be more Warrior fans, but there wasn't. Sacramento showed out tonight. It was loud in here. Like a reporter next to me that writes for San Francisco Chronicle was talking about how her watch was going off saying that uh, it was a noise warning. And I got to say, I've had that warning pop up a couple times here. And maybe that, you know, that which says a lot about Sacramento fan base in general, and they're just always extremely loud. But tonight was on a whole nother level, man. I go down in a postgame presser and like, I'm like, man, I think my hearing is a little messed up right now. And at one point I'm like, there's a very slight ring going on right now. It didn't last very long, but like that says a lot, man. Um, and I, I just want to get straight into that. Actually, I have quotes from these players and coach talking about the the crowd. Actually, I don't think I have coaches in here, but I, I do have a couple from uh, De'Aaron and HB, which I think are the two most fitting players as the longest tenured Sacramento Kings at this point. So we're going to start with HB, who, yeah, said it was a little emotional for him even. Harrison, um, just the crowd, the whole atmosphere, just how big is that for you guys to get this first one under your belt? <laughs> It was incredible all night. I mean, I think when guys ran out um, for layup lines, I think how loud it got in there. I think everyone got chills. I think that was that was pretty special just for us, uh, just to see the excitement that you know everybody had. I think that you know guys were just playing off that adrenaline um, all night. I mean, I think it was a lot of emotions coming in this game, and I think for us to settle in, uh, you know, our first playoff experience together and get a win was was big. Yeah, I mean, the players feed off of that. You know, I, I think that's no surprise to anybody. And, and you could see that tonight. Um, HB got asked in another sort of way, I think it was, uh, about that crowd later in the presser. And this was the quote that really stood out to me. Uh, Harrison, Joe Davidson, Sacramento B. For you personally, you had some tough years here as a team, um, as a team leader. How how much joy are you feeling to, to get this one in? Man, it's, it's crazy. Um you know, when I very first got traded here, you know, we were, you know, we were pushing for the playoffs and, you know, I had a vision of what it would be like to, to make the playoffs here in SAC. And, um, it was a lot of long, long days, um, <clears throat> just working and just being in the facility, uh, being in these games. And so, you know, to, to run out there tonight, um, and, and to see that and to, to see the fans, you know, it was, it was exciting, but, you know, honestly, it was a little emotional just, you know, just being a part of that and, um, really just happy for the fans. I can't say how happy I am for this fan base. Obviously, as you guys probably know, I haven't been around for the entire 16 seasons in 17 years. So I personally don't have that same. I'm just not honestly able to relate like it unless I've. It's not the same as going through it, right? Hearing about it. Um, but obviously, I know what this team means to this city. Um got to watch the 30 for 30 doc last night actually that helps give a lot of insight into kind of that entire process of of even just keeping the team here man and i'm so unbelievably happy for this fan base that they got to experience this and this is just the beginning is is the idea you know this is a seven game series we're gonna have to see how this goes um harrison has been here for a long time i'm extremely happy for him that he's able to experience this city in the way that he wants to, that I'm, I'm sure he wanted to. And he gets to experience that. And, and the same for HB, or for De'Aaron Fox, excuse me, that these guys that have put so much into this team and, and spent a long time experiencing those ups and downs and a lot of downs, which I think is me kind of stealing some wording from, from De'Aaron that you'll hear in a second here. But um, those guys are the closest players on the team that I think can appreciate a fraction of what the fan base has had to deal with. So amazing environment. I'm sure they were happy to win it for the crowd. Here is De'Aaron talking about the, the golden one crowd tonight and kind of just the atmosphere. Should be told. I actually thought it would be more warriors fans in. Cause I've 
Obviously, I've played them four times a year for the last six years, and I've seen it. But uh, so I think Sacramento showed out tonight. I think it was Trey, Trey walked by, and he, he was like, yo, this is the loudest arena that I've ever played in. And uh, we've talked about that before. We we know what this fan base is about and what they want to do. And like I said, we obviously we want to win for ourselves and for each other and for everybody in this organization. But um, doing this for the fans, just knowing the way that they support this team, you know, through thick and thin, like through really thin. <laughs> um, I think it's just it's just a testament to the way they are, and uh, it, it was it was definitely a great atmosphere tonight. If anyone in the YouTube chat ever wants to throw any questions my way, by the way, uh, go ahead and pop them in there. And if, um, yeah, and I can't possibly get to those, but I want to start by talking about, um, I guess we'll start with initial matchups. You know, there was the starting lineup we saw from Sacramento tonight was their typical starting lineup. De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, and... DeMontis Sabonis, and on the other side with Andrew Wiggins, as we knew, was going to be coming off the bench coming into this one, but he played 20 to 25 minutes, was at least the number that they had him pegged at. He ended up going to 28, and he came off the bench, so that meant their starting lineup from Golden State's perspective was Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Draymond Green, and Kavon Looney. Um, right away... What do I want to start with? Kevin Herter was guarding Clay Thompson. De'Aaron Fox was guarding Steph Curry. And those are the two big standouts, really. And on the other end, you saw De'Aaron Fox being defended by Dante DiVincenzo. Let me uh, make sure. I'm second-guessing myself here, guys. I'm going to pull up these notes and make sure that I have this right my game notes that I should have already had prepared and out in front of me. Let's see. Let's see what's good people in the chat. All right. I do got this here. I was correct. Dante was guarding Fox. Steph was guarding Kevin Herter. Draymond was guarding HB. Clay Thompson was guarding Keegan Murray and Kevon Looney was guarding DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, I want to start with honestly giving credit to Kevon Looney. Like, Kevon Looney was so good, man. I, I think that as somewhat expected, the Warriors played really far off of DeMontis Sabonis. You know, it's like, I, I think it's a smart way to go about it, that if he wants to take mid-range jump shots let him take mid-range jump shots. And honestly, from Sacramento's perspective, you don't really want Domas settling for mid-range jump shots. And he didn't tonight. I think that when Looney is playing so far off of him, a lot of what we saw, and this is what ended up getting Malik going, is that, okay, well, if you get Domas involved in a two-man game with another guard, whether that be a DHO, a dribble handoff, or a pick and roll, then that forces Looney to either get up higher on in defending that pick and roll, the guard coming off of that screen, or he's allowing him to get downhill, get some downhill momentum going towards the basket. And Malik got that working for him a lot. And that can either be, you know, you want to try to finish through contact at the rim through Kevon Looney, or if you want a, a, a mid-range jumper, I guess it's there is an opportunity in that aspect, but more often than not, it was like kind of a push shot or a floater that was working there. So I think that there were times that Domas maybe took a couple dribbles and tried to be aggressive in attacking Looney that was a couple steps away. Like, okay, maybe I can get downhill and attack him. And Looney did a great job, man, matching the physicality of DeMontis Sabonis and really making him work this entire game. I, I, think that Looney did a phenomenal job far and away the best job of anybody on Golden State's roster like when it was Draymond Green it was just not quite the same like Draymond is a fine defender um, Looney played better than than Draymond did defensively in tonight's game the Kings couldn't hit shots for the life of them at the beginning of this game and that was kind of the the story on both sides really you know at halftime Sacramento was four of 16 from beyond the arc. And that includes 0 of 1 from Harrison Barnes, 0 of 3 from Keegan Murray, 
O of 1 from Damanis Sabonis, O of 2 from Kevin Herter, and O of 3 from De'Aaron Fox. That's zero made threes in your starting lineup. And Sacramento has two guys that take at least, what is it, six or seven, I think was the threshold, if I'm remembering correctly, or more three-point attempts a game and knock down 40-plus percent in Keegan Murray and Kevin Herter. So to win a game where those guys are a combined O of eight is extremely impressive, but it helps when you're getting some three-point shooting from, I mean, De'Aaron Fox hit some big threes late in this game. He ends up going four of eight from beyond the arc. Trey Lyles was the only one hitting threes early in this game. He went four of 16 from beyond the arc. Malik Monk was getting it done from beyond the arc when he did take them, although he wasn't settling that much, which I thought was a pretty impressive aspect of Malik's game tonight. Um, And obviously the free throws, man. It's another big difference in this game is that you saw Malik Monk go 14 of 14 from the free throw line, including two huge ones. I believe Sacramento is up one. Malik gets sent to the line, and he's 12 of 12. And it's like, shit, well, I mean, can you really make every single shot, every single free throw, all 14? And he did it. He did it. Malik walked up there, hit two ginormous free throws for Sacramento, and he was just a huge aspect of them of their success tonight. And this is from Kings PR Monk going 14 of 14. <laughs> Excuse me. Sheesh. Monk went 14 of 14 from the free throw line and is the fourth player in franchise history to make 14 free throws without a miss in a postseason game. He joins Peja Stojakovic from 2001, Oscar Robertson from 1965 and Bobby Wagner from 1952 shout out Malik Monk for a phenomenal game he was part of the closing lineup with the other starters in place of Keegan Murray Keegan did really struggle tonight Um, there was definitely times that uh, a coach timeout was because of Keegan and he lit into Keegan a little bit it's Keegan played 16 minutes like it was better to go with uh, Malik Monk, with a Trey Lyles, with a Davion Mitchell. Excuse me. Jeez. Then, then it was to look towards the direction of, of Keegan Murray tonight. He really struggled defensively. And if his shot's not going down on the offensive end, like he, he, those defensive shortcomings just hurt a lot more. You know, he's not making for it up for it on the other end, but that's going to be an adjustment for him. This is one of the hardest teams in the NBA, I think, for a younger player to get adjusted to defending against. It's so much read and react and just trying to be quick. Um, there were times where he was just maybe half a second too late to rotate or overplaying and then gets beat back door, or he's guarding Clay in a semi transition is the one that stands out to me in the corner. And then he sees kind of Steph running up to get open and he is like, well, damn, I don't want to leave the best three-point shooter of all time open up there. So he goes up towards Steph, and Clay just instantly goes back door and gets the easiest layup of the night. And this is like semi-transition. You know, not everybody is back for either team, and that gets called right away. Like, So it, it's just going to be little stuff for Keegan. I think it's going to be an adjustment for him. And... Even if that's part of this process, you have other guys that are able to to step up. You know, we saw Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, Trey Lyles. As I mentioned, Alex Lynn was great in the non-Demontis Sabonis minutes. I thought that Domas was going to have to play 40, 42 minutes. I was like, man, like backup five, like can you even mess with HB a little bit at the backup five when Draymond's out there? Like maybe it's Trey Lyles, maybe it's Shemezi Mezzo. I thought it made no sense to go with Alex Lynn. I thought if Alex Lynn got involved in the pick and roll, that he, the shooters, I mean, primarily Steph, but also Jordan Poole, the shooters those guys are, would, if Alex is playing too high up, they'd be able to blow right past him with a little bit of a hesitation dribble, and that if Alex was too far back, that that's an easy three for those guys to be able to pull. But he did a great job um, moving his feet well enough. They did a lot of pre-switching to make sure he wasn't involved in that pick and roll, and then his help side defense was really good. It was really good. Um Seeing actual rim protection from the Kings still kind of blows my mind sometimes in a in a traditional like just 
not rear view contest or anything like that, but just a big man being in between the guy trying to to penetrate the paint and the rim and like deterring a shot. It, it's it was it was a great sight to see. Alex Len was phenomenal. He won the defensive player of the game chain extremely well deserved. Um De'Aaron Fox man. There's a lot of questions on what does playoff De'Aaron Fox look like? Like this guy's not played in a playoff game. What can we expect from him? He's been extremely clutch throughout the course of this season. He probably gets that first ever Jerry West Clutch Player of the Year award. But what does the postseason look like? This is a whole different animal. Well, De'Aaron said postgame that... You know what? I actually think I have the quote. Let me just play it here. De'Aaron kind of talking about his first playoff experience. Guys, Jason Anderson, Sacramento Bee, congratulations. Um, De'Aaron, first of all, you get to this stage for the first time in your career and and come up big for your team. Just kind of want to get your thoughts on your performance tonight. And and Malik, if you could could talk about uh, the way De'Aaron played tonight as well. Oh, I mean, obviously we all want to be in the position to do this. And, uh, you know, you get out there. For for me, I want to see, you know, how different the game is. Uh, I want to see how physical the game really is, how much can you essentially get away with. And uh, I think the first half I was, I wouldn't say shocked, um, but it took, it took me time to get adjusted to it. And I think he did a hell of a job carrying us through that first half. Um, but in the fourth quarter and at the end of a game, like I said, we, we talk about this countless times. My teammates are confident in me to go out there and make plays for myself and others. Uh, so the least I can do is go out there and, and believe in myself. Uh, yeah, man. Fox been doing this all year for us. Uh, I knew it was, I knew he was going to turn it on, um, in the second half. Uh, it just took him a little minute to get adjusted. That's why we a team. Um, uh, and we got other players out there to, to do what they do. Um, uh, but yeah, man, Fox has been like this. He's been great for us all year and he can continue to be great for us. But he does, man. It doesn't matter if it's the postseason or not. This is one game. I am going to be that guy where this is one game. This is extremely encouraging. I have to stop myself from getting too caught up in this because Golden State could come out and, and have a big statement winning game two, and you feel extremely different about this series. The reality is when it comes to seeding, like the Kings are supposed to win this game when you're the home team. I know that it like goes beyond that. There's a reason that everybody picked Golden State, admittedly myself included. And the Kings will still need to continue to prove themselves until people change those opinions, um, which, again, myself included, like ask me after game two. I, I said prior to the series, if the Kings can win the first two games, I think they win the series. But winning these first two games is going to be extremely difficult. And today is half the job done. Half the job done when it comes to Sacramento. Uh, just winning, maintaining home court advantage. And De'Aaron Fox was a ginormous part of that. He had nine points in the first half. And then he puts up 29 in the second. You heard him talk about... Uh, just getting adjusted to sort of the physicality that is playoff basketball. Like there's always a, there's always talk about like, oh, well, this is just different in the postseason. X, Y, or Z is just, no, it doesn't happen or, or this does happen, but it doesn't happen in the regular season. Like De'Aaron got to like play Mythbuster a little bit and figure out what is and is not true about all the things that are said. Got a feel for it, man. For it to take half a half for De'Aaron to get adjusted, extremely impressive. And it took Malik Monk no time to get adjusted on the offensive end. Uh, Malik was phenomenal. As I mentioned, there was a moment where it looked like, okay, well, like him and Poole are kind of just evening each other out in this first half. And then Poole ends the game with 17 and Malik just kept going. He got up to 32 again on 8 of 13, 2 of 4 from 3. And those 14 of 14 from the free throw line was just, was huge. It's absolutely huge in this one. Um, so here is Coach Brown talking about the impact of Malik Monk in this one. Like we, we know, we know Malik right here. We know, we know Malik's got a big personality and, and when he plays, he's always aggressive and, um, getting his shots up. But to see what he did tonight, 
Um, what, just what do you make of, of that, particularly in his, in his playoff debut? And, and how much does his personality rub off on his teammates when, when he is encouraging guys, particularly guys off the bench to do what they do? Malik is, is a confident individual and you can feel that when you're around him. And, you know, I, I told him there were a couple of times where I thought he touched that paint and he had a couple of sprays in the first half. And I told him, I, I said, Malik, I said, I'm not trying to call you off your shot. I'm going to live with you shooting the ball. But when you touch that paint, if you can feel it, we got guys wide open on the perimeter because they're either A, trying to blitz you, or B, uh, and so they're sending two at you, or B, they're sending a second, sometimes a third body when you hit that paint. I said, now, again, I know you, I know you can score. And if you don't agree with what I'm saying, you do what you want to do. We're going to live with it. You know, you could feel Malik's confidence and we need that in games like this because he ain't, he ain't afraid of me <laughs> and he ain't afraid of the moment, which is what we need. Not afraid of the moment. That is for sure. And I, I think that's also a great example of Coach Brown's coaching style of, you know, he's going to give his input, but also trust his players when it comes down to it, when they've shown that they deserve to be trusted. And, and Malik is that falls into that. Obviously um, it was a ginormous game from Malik and also De'Aaron, as I mentioned um, offensively, but De'Aaron made a really big impact defensively in this one as well. He was a primary assignment to Steph Curry, which is always going to be, just something that takes an entire team and, and different guys spent different times on Steph. You saw Davion do it. You saw Harrison do it for a little while. Um, just doing their best to to keep up with Steph and went to a box and one, got creative. But De'Aaron specifically, I, I would say probably spent the most time as an individual guarding Steph Curry in this game. He played 40 minutes, did everything he did on offense. And like, just watch some of these possessions of him chasing Steph Curry around, man. It looks like the most tiring thing in the world. And he he talked about that right here. James Ham, ESPN 1320. De'Aaron, 40 minutes of play. The 38 points is impressive. But to be honest with you, your defense was probably some of the best we've seen from you in your career. Just how much is that who you have to be and how exhausted are you after doing that on both ends? Did, of the did y'all see that clip of J.R. Smith you know, talking about Delhi? Did y'all see that clip? That's just real. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real. Um, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, I, I didn't guard Steph the entire game, but like most of the first quarter, most of the fourth quarter, I guarded him. Uh, yeah, that's, that clip is real. Uh, obviously, you know, my team wants me to do things offensively, but, uh, and, and Mike talked about it as soon as he got here, you know, office, he's not worried about what I can do offensively. He wants to see me, um, be better defensively. And that's something that I'm trying to, that, that I want to take the challenge of doing. And, um, I think we've all seen it in spurts, but I want to be able to do it throughout the course of a game. And playing 40 minutes, scoring 38 points is cool, but just trying to be as disruptive as possible while guarding, if not the best player in the world, uh, the best player to ever, you know, jump shot wise, shoot a basketball, not just off the catch, but off the dribble. The guy's probably one of the craftiest players to ever touch the ball. Um, just to be able to just try to be disruptive for me, I think is uh, is the biggest step, and I think that's kind of something that I'm, I don't I don't care to prove to anybody else, but I want to prove to myself that that I can go out there and just try to hound you know some of the best guards in the league. I would imagine that today is a step in the right direction of De'Aaron proving that to himself. He did a great job covering De'Aaron, and it's obviously great to hear him like take pride. In, in doing that. And admittedly, like doing a good job on Steph still means a box and one. And he puts up 30 points on 11 of 20 from the field. Like Steph is going to get his. It's about making life difficult. And, and for anybody unaware, when he says, like, when he asks if any of us have seen that clip of JR talking about Delhi guarding Steph, it's if, if you look at the old man and the three, the JJ Reddick, Tommy Alter podcast, that they. On their Twitter page, they posted a clip recently of J.R. Smith talking about pretty much, it says like Delhi almost killed himself when trying to guard Steph Curry. That it was just like the most physically brutal thing. Like you're just sprinting around chasing him. There's pictures of Delhi in like um, 
in sort of cold chambers to try to just rehab his body and sort of the recovery process from having to chase around Steph Curry. And Delhi's really just asked to do everything on the defensive end, right? Even when he was guarding Steph back in his time with Cleveland, excuse me, De'Aaron is also asked to do things offensively. And it was a great performance from him on both ends. Um, I'll be interested to watch back tomorrow to kind of see just how good I thought he was defensively. I, I thought that he was impressive, um, but I, I just want to kind of be able to see to, to what extent, really. Davion, like I said, did a great job. Um, and actually, we saw a box and one in that second half. I, I think it was in the third quarter that that got pulled out. And it worked. Steph said prior to this series that he wouldn't be surprised if Mike Brown did use a box and one, that they used that a lot when Coach Brown was in Golden State, and he wouldn't be surprised to see it. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And uh, anybody unaware, a box and one means that Steph Curry is the only person being guarded in man defense. And they initially actually did this with Kevin Herter. And then the other four players on Sacramento's defensive lineup are playing in a zone, a 2-2 zone. And pretty much Steph Curry's being double time, double teamed every single time he goes anywhere. And if if there was ever a screen, they would end up switching, and then that person would replace the the person that they just switched with in, in sort of that box-in-one zone. It was something that they've messed with a little bit throughout the course of the year, but actually got to uh, ask Coach Brown about it post-game, and his answer was very entertaining when it came to this box-in-one that was pretty efficient and, and effective for Sacramento. Yeah, Coach Brendan Nunes, Kings Herald, uh, that – Box and one that you mentioned, we saw a lot of in that second half. Um, what allowed your team to be successful in running that, and how do you, how well do you think they did of going in and out of that coverage as you called for it from the sideline? They, they, they did, a, they did a great job, and we, we don't work on it a ton, you know. And, and it was part of our game plan as coaches going into this series. And uh, never, I won't forget, we, we were in the coaches' meeting, and somebody said, "Hey, let's work on the box and one. Let's work on this. Let's work on that." I said, I said, no, we're not going to because the beauty of us uh, going to a box and one is we don't really know what we're doing, which that may confuse the other team. So let's just let them play. And, and, and the, the, to, to back that up, uh, you know, when we when we uh, were slapping the guy's hands going around, uh, Alex Lynn, first thing he said to me, he said, he said, coach, hey, can we go over the box and one? Because I don't know what I'm doing. I said, that's a good thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And I kept it moving. So we have some principles, uh, but the biggest thing is we just got to talk uh, or communicate with one another, cover space, and if somebody gets cracked, then you go ahead and switch it. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Shots now streaming. Shots! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. Very interesting. Very interesting. I understand the logic for sure. If, if we don't know what we're doing, then how are they supposed to know? But like... Quite a strategy, quite a strategy for for your backup big to to be like, all right, coach, I'd really love to go over this. And he's like, no, 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 trust me, it's better if we don't know what we're doing. Sure, it worked, and that makes it pretty tough, I guess, for Golden State to then scout that box in one because now Sacramento gets to look at it and make whatever sort of adjustments they want to make. And the chess match of a playoff series is just always extremely entertaining. And it's going to be very entertaining from both teams' perspectives. 
I, I think the most important thing for them in that box and one defense from Sacramento's perspective is really just communication and making sure that when a shot goes up that you're able to put bodies on guys and rebound. And then from the other side, um, got to ask Steph Curry about it post game. And he mentioned that, like, you know, I still he, he kind of did hint at he still thinks that it caught them. He, he knew to expect it, but he still thinks there was a slight adjustment that his team had to make to to getting used to that. And one thing that you can do is just kind of there, there's a handful of like ways to beat a zone, right? You could just totally shoot your way out of it from beyond the arc, you can get to the middle of the zone and sort of collapse it and make passes from there. Or what you can do is you can overload one side, right? So if Steph is on the left side of the floor and he has one person with him and then it's the box, meaning there's only two players on that opposite side of the floor, two defenders, if the, what the Warriors would do is they would take Draymond typically or, or maybe another one of their playmakers, put him on that side of the floor, and just put two shooters pretty much right next to him. Give me one in the corner and one at not quite top of the key, but more so um, towards that wing. And it's like, all right, there's two defenders here. You can't guard three people. And that's another way to beat his own is to kind of overload one side. We saw Golden State start to do that, and I think they got a little bit more comfortable um, in being able to do that. But we're definitely going to need to see um, Sacramento just switch it up a lot. Like Golden State didn't shoot the ball very well in this game either. They shot 53s. Holy crap. 50. Wow. Um, yeah, 16 of 50 from beyond the arc. 32% on 50 attempts is not great. Obviously, Sacramento didn't shoot the ball amazingly either. I mean, they they really did end the game with a good shooting percentage from beyond the arc. 12 of 32, 37% from three. Like, that's a fine shooting night. You know, ideally, you'd be more efficient from two offensively. They were only 44.9% from the entire field in this one. But the Warriors are going to have nights where they hit more shots. And... There were times that I thought Steph and Clay got look, good looks and they didn't go down. Like Wiggins had a really big shot at the end of this game where he was wide open in his favorite corner or his most efficient corner. I came to learn from talking to some of the Warriors reporters and it just didn't go down. If if that shot goes down, it's an entirely different game. Like Sacramento absolutely deserved this win, but it was an extremely, extremely close game that just makes you think this is going to be a good series. And just like most people thought coming into this, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I'll say, I don't think Jonathan Kaminga is very playable in this series. Um, Well, he actually adjusted the first half. He shot a couple threes and Sacramento could care less if he's shooting threes. But he's one of their better players. This is coming from a Golden State team that is towards the bottom of the league, if not dead last. I forget exactly where they end up landing in points in the paint per game. Jonathan Kuminga is one of their better players at getting to the paint and putting pressure on the rim and, and being able to score around there. I thought in the second half he did a better job focusing on that more often. But I do think that offensively for Golden State, he's a pretty big liability because Sacramento can just not really care too much about him on the defensive end. For example, when Draymond and Kuminga are both in the game, and that's the 4-5 for Golden State, and the 4-5 on Sacramento's side is Alex Len and Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles is guarding Draymond, and Alex Len is guarding Jonathan Kuminga because you don't care about Kuminga shooting. You just need to stop him when he gets to the rim. And Alex Len is, is capable of doing that. It lets him play in more of this like free safety role and takes him out of any sort of pick-and-roll defense scenarios, and instead you have Trey Lyles deal with that responsibility. So I thought that was a good creative um, just little thing that Coach Brown was able to slip in there. But you can't really do that if Jonathan Kaminga is not in the game. He, he played 10 minutes tonight. It'll be interesting to see the sort of 
minutes that he gets moving forward. I thought that Gary Payton was okay. He came out of the game for when he came out of the game, he went back to the locker room for a little while. Um, not really sure what was going on there. He did end up coming back in the game after the fact. Um, but GP2 and Dante DiVincenzo both only played 20 minutes on the night. And we know this is a Golden State team that has a lot of reliance on four people when it comes to the offensive end. It's Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole. Like three of those guys averaged 20 plus. Steph right around 30, I think is 29 point, uh, 29 point whatever. And Andrew Wiggins is was flirting with 20 on the year as well, although obviously he only played 37 games and had just quite the unique season. So it'll be interesting to see what can be worked out, if anything can be worked out with Kuminga's role from Golden State's perspective. I thought that Dante would get more reps on De'Aaron Fox, but we didn't really see that happen that often. Um, he and Gary Payton both got in foul trouble. There were a lot of whistles in the fourth quarter of this game after I thought they were letting them play and be pretty physical early on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I honestly think that this is a worse than average shooting night for the Golden State Warriors and about on par from Sacramento's perspective. And that plays a pretty big part here. And some of that has to do with shot selection. Obviously, Sacramento played good defense, but like, there's going to be nights where the Warriors hit more shots and the Kings will still need to be better, you know, and there's going to, of course, there's going to be nights. I mean, not very often you're going to get nights where Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray combined for zero made threes, but how often is De'Aaron making four of eight? How often is Trey Lyles making four of six? You know, like those kind of, I think will even out if you are able to get the spacing from Herter and Murray of them knocking down shots. I think that's pretty big. But this was a very good win for Sacramento. If anybody in the chat here has any questions they want to throw my way as I kind of start to wrap up, then let me know. Um, yeah, this is kind of just uh, quick thoughts and reactions to the game. Tomorrow I'll watch it back and then have a better idea of what I think potential adjustments could be moving forward. But I thought that De'Aaron Fox did. I mean, hitting those couple threes is obviously phenomenal and really opens up the game for him. But I thought he did a great job of like fully getting downhill. Like, okay, you're going to give me space to get some downhill momentum because you're just playing so far back on me. Then like, I'm going to take these couple dribbles, get into your chest and, and go for this tough finish at the rim through contact, which he's been phenomenal at through really most of his career. Or he stops earlier and gets to a free mid-range pull-up jumper uh, while guys start backpedaling because of the threat of his finishing around the rim. That's easy. His floater push shot is right up there with John Moran as like one of the best in the league this year. So I thought he did a great job of like still finding ways to get to his spots and then knock them down. It, it was a great game from De'Aaron. Um, there is one quote, post-game audio quote, that I didn't get to yet, and... Uh, meant to within the flow of this, but overlooked it. So I'll play that here. It, it's just Coach Brown talking about De'Aaron on the defensive end, specifically when it comes to Steph. And while this is playing, it'll be sort of last call for anybody in the chat to throw potential questions my way. Uh, James Hammett, ESPN 1320. Mike, um, we've talked about it all season long with you. You started early in preseason talking about how De'Aaron has to be a two-way player for you guys. Yeah. Uh, the 38 points was nice, but his defense tonight was probably some of the best we've seen in his career. Just like what has gone into that, making him that type of defender? Well, first of all, he's embraced it. He knows that he has to be able to do that in order for us to attain or achieve our goal. He's got to be a two-way player uh, if he expects at all at any time to win a championship and he's got to do it at a high level. He was really good tonight. You know, we, we try to give him a rest from time to time, uh, by throwing Davion in the game and, and letting Davion, uh, uh, chase, uh, Steph around. We also mixed in a little bit of zone and boxing one and we're going to have to keep trying to mix it up you know, throughout the course of the game. But he's going to have to be not only elite for us offensively, uh, but elite defensively. And <clears throat> that's what an all-star does. That's what a first, second, third-team all-NBA player does. They rise to the moment, especially when the moment's really big. And that is what De'Aaron did. Um, 
L. Beach in the Twitch chat says, thoughts on the atmosphere. Did you think the Kings would take game one? I thought they had a chance in game one. Um, I honestly thought they would lose one of these first two home games. Um, we're going to have to see how game two goes. My prediction coming in was if the Kings can win the first two games at home, they can win this series. But if I had to guess, I didn't think that they would win both the games at home. And the atmosphere was ridiculous. I, I touched on it at the beginning. Um, go back and listen to some of those quotes to hear. I think I got Harrison Barnes and Coach Brown and um, Harrison Barnes and De'Aaron Fox both talking about the crowd. But it was amazing. There were not many Warrior fans in here. Um, predictions for tomorrow's game. This is a good question. Let me pull up tomorrow's schedule. Let's see. Let's see. I am getting to it here. Wow, they're starting with the Lakers and Memphis game, huh? At noon. I'm going to go with Memphis in this one. Um, I think the Lakers have a good chance of coming out of this series. I, I think it's going to be just as entertaining as the Sacramento and Golden State one. Um, but I'm going to go with Memphis early in this one. I, I think that it's going to... I don't know who's guarding John Morant. I don't know if Jared Vanderbilt can be that guy. I think that's going to be an interesting thing for me to kind of try to see how the Lakers attempt to deal with him. And there's a lot of spacing and shooting that Memphis has around jaw. Jaron Jackson is, I, I regretted saying the other day on the Kings beat that Brooke Lopez would be my defense player of the year. I probably, as I thought about it more, was like, ah, I think Jaron Jackson, I know the difference in minutes, but like extremely good and efficient and effective there. Um, so I think they have okay guys to attempt to frustrate and slow down LeBron and AD as much as anybody can. I'll give that one to Memphis. Uh, Miami, w Milwaukee, pretty easily giving that one to Milwaukee. I think that Miami is going to like totally beat up the Bucks in this series, but they win like two games at best. LA and Phoenix. Um, Man, am I really just going to go with like the favorite in all of these games? What ended up happening then today? Technically, the Sacramento was the home team one, right? Cleveland lost. Cleveland is the only road team that lost today. Boston beat Atlanta. Philly beat Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, I think the potential upsets are LA and Mem LA Memphis. I think LA could win that game. And I think that Phoenix is just going to beat the Suns. But they absolutely have a chance. I mean, I'm never going to not watch Kawhi Leonard versus Kevin Durant. That sounds like a blast to me. And then Minnesota-Denver. I mean, Jokic and Gobert is a, is a pretty damn good matchup as well. I think that Minnesota does can put up a fight in that series. And I, I think that tomorrow is going to be a good gauge for sort of attempting to figure out how that one might look like. Dirt and Rust in the YouTube chat asks, what adjustment do I think the Warriors will make for next game? I think they'll be super prepared for that box in one and probably get more towards over, um, overloading one side of the zone and kind of packing one end of the floor. I think that they've also gotten a little bit of a feel for maybe you don't let De'Aaron get to that mid-range, but I don't really know how to do that. that that's the whole thing with De'Aaron. Uh, maybe you send blitzes his way more often. Try to do the same with, like, maybe you try to blitz these guys more. I don't really know what the answer is defensively for the Warriors. I think that you could try more Gary Payton and DiVincenzo that maybe if those guys don't get in foul trouble that that could be very big. I do think there's offensive adjustments we'll see for the Warriors, though. Uh, I think that, again, a lot of it has to do with being able to respond to that box in one. I think that they'll figure out ways to take advantage of Alex Len and not give him places to hide, like on Jonathan Kuminga. Um, that just was, honestly, Coach Brown winning the chess match there. So that's kind of what stands out to me. But that's all I got here, guys. Um like I said, I'm going to watch this game back again tomorrow. I'll have a better idea of what I think potential adjustments could be and just sort of some of the specifics on what did and didn't work amazingly. 
in game one tonight, but what a night, man. What a day for Sacramento it was. And amazing atmosphere in here. I'm extremely happy for the city and and the team that this gets to happen, but this is one game. It's a seven-game series. It's so far from over. Like, show up in game two. Do it again. Do it again. Which is a whole lot easier said than done. Steph Curry said post-game he thought they played all right, that he knows they will shoot better and rebound better. And they got to win one on the road, so why not game two? They are going to really be pushing to win game two. Game two is a very big moment for this series. Every game matters, but like, I think that we're going to know a lot about this team based on how, in this series, really based on how game two goes. Uh, but that's all I got for you guys. I appreciate everybody that's hanging out in here in the live chat and anybody that is listening to this in audio form, um, no matter what platform you're on. I appreciate you guys for listening and definitely take a look at some of the work from the great guys and gals, myself included, that are a part of the King's Herald and take a look at their Patreon to support local independent King's coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate and review and you'll hear from me again next couple days.